I've heard it spoken amongst the outliers. The rumblings of a rebellion. There is a traitor among us. In this room, right now. Mother Darken. You give us the air we breathe and the food we eat. You keep us safe from the outside and for that, we are thankful. It's mid-June, and it's time for Moving Radio, and uh, today I've got Mark with me talking about uh, another Thanks Telefilm. This is our second Thanks Telefilm segment, and today's film we're talking about is the 2017 science fiction horror film, Darken, directed by Audrey Cummings. So, hi, Mark. How are you? I'm good. You know, I think we need to also... You know, I have a I have a beverage with me. I'm not sure about you, but I think we need to raise our beverages and pay tribute to the original Godfather of Moving Radio, Christian Zip. Thank you for giving us the the keys to the car, and uh, we won't crash it on prom night. We promise. We promise we won't crash the car tonight. <laughs> we well, we can't crash the car worse than than some of the stuff that happens in dark. And so, did you? For I guess to begin, did you enjoy Darken? Well, when we were approaching each other about a topic for this month's show, you had mentioned this Canadian film. And I studied Canadian cinema at, at university, and I'm always excited. You know, I, ne- I'm, I never know what I should be in store for. So, and I had actually no previous knowledge of this film. And so when you kind of put it upon my lap, I, I was excited and I was also a little nervous. And you know, there's there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about this film. And then I think you can also have like a really big existential conversation about it as well. So did I enjoy it? Uh, not really, but but I do feel more Canadian because I watched the film. I think that we definitely earn some kind of like a Canadian stripe for kind of sitting through the entire length of some of these thanks telefilm films. In Darken, I, can you can you summarize or give me a synopsis of what Darken is? Because it's really quite confusing in, and makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, I think when we, you know, you sent me an email, and we did this kind of offline before the interview, and you, you know, you gave me a few talking points, and <laughs> one of the pretty blunt questions was, do I understand the storyline? And... <laughs> Before I go into the actual storyline, like I, I want to give the elevator pitch. Like if, if yes. I'm sitting in the elevator and I got the producer for five minutes, yes, you know, for everybody who hasn't seen this film, 
it's kind of like a fish out of water meets science fiction, dark science fiction meets the Divergent film series. And that was kind of like what I kind of felt was kind of the elevator pitch for the film. In terms of the actual coherent storyline, I'm under the impression that it's this young protagonist who is kind of, she meets another uh, alt woman from an alternative universe and they are subjected to different dimensions while kind of fighting this emperor goddess. How did I do there? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, you made it sound like that's <laughs> what happens. <laughs> So I guess like to begin to kind of situate people listening, this film opens, they're sort of like in modern day Toronto, maybe, or I don't know, Winnipeg, downtown, modern city, Canada. There's a nurse. She's kind of sad because she, you know, failed at helping somebody that day. She's walking down the street and a woman kind of is ejected from a warehouse building and she's been stabbed. And she says, there's people inside, you have to help them. So the nurse goes into a warehouse building, at which point she is transported to a universe that looks like the inside of a warehouse building. Um, and there are people inside the warehouse who I guess are like from different, am I getting this right? Like they're from different like factions and they're all kind of fighting? Yes. Kind of? I, yeah, I like how you said that. I think they are from different factions and... There's kind yeah. of like an internal struggle going on. And the the factions seem to be that they come from different rooms in the building. Right. <laughs> also, I don't think that we ever know why or how they got inside of this warehouse building. But they refer to it as Darken. And they keep saying Darken provides. And they keep saying that they don't remember before Darken which I think are all really great ways to sidestep explaining anything that happens in this film. Am I, am I on the right path here? I think so. It, you know, I think that the filmmaker, and like, let's be honest, like, could I ever make a film like this? No, I, 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 I could not achieve this level. But I think they, they had really high conceptual ideas that they wanted to do. Because when you were giving your little um, explanation, you talk a lot about these idea of rooms and and kind of like different areas and and obviously they're a metaphor for something what what the metaphor is i'm not sure yeah but it seems like they had some really high conceptual ideas and then at the same time i think they wanted their cake to eat it too and we're like yeah. let's turn this into a franchise yes because this is indeed a, a television series now or was i, I also i also think we should give context too, you know, for all our, you know, the millions of listeners that are tuning in to CGSR on this Friday at five o'clock, when you gave me the homework to watch this film, and at times it did feel like homework, <laughs> I, I went down the rabbit hole of, you know, you just start, you know, going to the University of Internet and you start Googling the film and kind of its background. And it was made by a company called Shaftesbury Films, and they are a company based in Toronto. And obviously Toronto is very much uh, the hub of, you know, of a lot of where Canadian cinema is done. And I did not know this, but, you know, I like to give another shout out to the fact that this company is responsible for Murdoch Mysteries, which is the quintessential 
Canadian programming that I think is on every day around three o'clock. This makes so much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> this makes sense. Some of these actors are from Murdoch Mysteries. Right, right. I will say like, I'm as bad as Darken is, and the acting is quite bad at times. Some of these people do work. I guess, you know, if we if we went into a lot of the performances, I <laughs> let's start with like the I can't remember her name and I and I Lindsay, I made like extensive notes here, but you remember the the main girl's name? I have IMDB open. I think her name was Eve. I didn't think she was I didn't think she was terrible. You know, if I was like a casting director, you know, like I, I could maybe see her on you know, some Netflix show in the future. So I, I didn't think, I, you know, and obviously you come from an acting background. Like, can you kind of like explain to the, the, the listeners, like, was the performance convincing or did she not have enough material to work with and she was just kind of stranded alone on the island? I feel like she and some of the actors were stranded like on a canoe with no paddles um, trying their best with a very poor uh, execution of what, you know, is a pretty, like you said, a pretty high concept kind of a, a thing, but it's executed like um, uh, community theater. And she is indeed from Murdoch Mysteries. She, she plays uh, Louise Cherry. Just uh, once again, we're just, uh, just so if you just tuned in, Lindsay and I are talking about the film Darken, which is Canadian cinema from 2017. I thought at this point, Lindsay, you know, instead of like, let's go, I wrote down the good things I liked about the film. So we can, I have like about three, not a lot, I have about three points of what I liked about the film. So, you know, if you guys are curious, watch the film Darken on 2017, from 2017, do you have any points you would like to share first or should I go first? Honestly, I think the, the joy that I've gotten from Darken was in the badness of it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and it left me with a lot of questions. I, I want to talk about one of my things that I actually thought the film did a good job was if, you know, if you do decide to, to watch this movie, I'd, and this is like a really small element of it. And like you said, you enjoyed kind of like, you know the how absurd the film is there's one shot in the film i think it's and i wrote it down here it's at the hour nine mark 52 seconds where eve is is going down a flight of stairs and like this shot it maybe goes for five seconds and you can tell it's done on a green screen <laughs> I, have to, I have to say you know i that was at one point in the film where they actually i felt i was sucked into the world like i felt like i most of the time I felt everything was jarring and I couldn't, you know, really have a relationship with the film. But at that one time, you know, whoever was in charge of the green screen and the special effects, that one shot, I was like, you know what? I'd put that on par with any Harry Potter film I've seen. Like I was quite impressed with it, actually. Very nice. Wow. That's that's a high compliment. Why don't you, you know, tell the viewers, even though you, you obviously enjoy because it's ridiculous, like what are some of the ridiculous elements you like about the film? So two of the things that really stick out, uh, one of the things is that it is just a warehouse building with different decorated rooms. And <laughs> yeah. they, they keep saying, she keeps saying like, where is the light? Where are the windows? And there are windows <laughs> behind them in almost every scene. Like there's so many windows. If it was a drinking game, you'd be done. It's 86 minutes. <laughs> so I loved I loved that they just 
pretended that there was no windows. <laughs> and I also really loved in about halfway through the movie, this guy shows up who's like an aging punk rocker. Right. Who I imagine is like one of the few people in the movie who is not an actor and he just is a nice guy that they let hang around or something. You know, they almost just met him at a food truck, it seems like, and they said, hey, do you want to be in a film? I think yeah. you characterized it really well. Like, like, legitimately, if you're watching this film, and please do watch this film, it's, it's a warehouse. It is literally a warehouse. And you know what? I often think, too, like, if I was an independent filmmaker or, you know, I had a limited budget, often you probably think, well, how, you know, where can I get locations? Because... I imagine it's not easy to secure location shooting in a city or something yeah. and kind of the quintessential, you know, independent cinema or kind of guerrilla type filmmaking is like, let's find an abandoned warehouse and, and see what we can do there. Right. And really light it really darkly and, and uh, uh, really use the resources that we have at our disposal. That um, kind of brings me to something else. What did you think about this mishmash of costumes? Because I couldn't understand where the people came from. Because there was like an old timey guy who was super old fashioned. And then there was like the main bad antagonist woman was like from Star Trek. So I'm going to go on a side rant here, but it's all going to segue into the costume. So when I was a 12 year old boy, my parents signed me up. And for all of our Alberta listeners out there at Fort Edmonton. So my parents signed me up to do the Halloween Howler at Fort Edmonton Park when I was 12 years old. And I was playing like, I think just a zombie. And my point was that, you know, you'd have these tourist groups come through and uh, we would scare them and you would moan and you would groan. And I remember I was quite envious of other people who had a lot more um, higher visible positions. And they were like costumes of kind of, you know, I don't know if you would say the medieval times, but certainly older costumes. And I totally felt like this movie Darkin had access to all the costumes from Fort Edmonton Park. And they were just were basically shipped on site. And they were like, yep, this is what we're going to use. And this is what's going to characterize these different faction groups that are fighting within. So I I totally felt that, you know, and you've used the word community theater. It felt like a community theater and it looked like community theater costumes. Yeah, it really did. Um, also, like the main girl, because she comes from the outside, just normal, like downtown Toronto. Um, she goes in, you know, clean. But I don't know how long, how much time is passing. But within 15 minutes or so, she's like full on like Terminator 2, apocalyptic, dirty <laughs> in her like ripped tank top and stuff. How, how did they transition from that to that, right? Yeah, just how much time is passing and where did these people come from and and why, why don't they notice there's windows behind them all the time? I also wrote down, I and, I and now I don't remember from two days ago, but I wrote down Chainsaw Dude. Which one was Chainsaw Dude again? I don't know. I think there was like a comedic moment with a gigantic guy with a chainsaw or something, but now I don't remember. <laughs> but I wrote it down. Well, the notes are, are symbolic of the film. Uh, and how it's presented. Once again, this is Moving Radio. If you're tuning in, Christian Zip is uh, taking a break this week and a well-deserved break. And Lindsay and I are breaking down the Canadian film Darken from 2017. 
let's I would like to talk a little bit about uh just probably the one standout performance from the film mm-hmm. was the uh annoying henchman I guess for lack of better terms do you know who I'm talking about I'm not sure which one like you like the frilly shirt dude yes the frilly <laughs> shirt dude, yes so from an acting perspective like you know like once again I, I want to like go into a deep dive with him do you think he gave a good performance or do you think it was just he just had no material to work with or do you think really it was just you know he was adopting what he thought was like method acting like I want to hear what your kind of like your deep dive into the to the uh, assistant henchman what are your thoughts on him gosh that his performance is over the top he is working so hard in this movie like he's working way harder than everybody else. He he's got thirty five credits to his IMDb, including Orphan Black. I think honestly, like it might just be the material and the execution that, uh, because of the levels of actors, you know, because it's so community theater like, some of these people are trying their best and. Yeah, you know. You wonder how much how much experience they have in front of the camera, and you know, obviously we're we're having fun with the film, and you know, it's hard it's a hard thing to do to act, and I I really don't have much acting whatsoever to my background, but you are right though there there is a there is a fine line between overacting and you know kind of giving that performance, and I'm sure we've heard it you know all the time, and whether it's through acting or movies or sometimes less is more, right? Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. let it breathe a little bit. And I think with this, you know, pseudo henchman, you know, assistant to the motherly God, he had to let it breathe a little bit. And I don't think he ever, he really ever took a moment. You just kind of overacted the whole time. And, and as you said, I think that's probably more the, the community theater background that's coming into the film. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to read any of the user reviews. on imdb for this film but there are three so we got a nine out of ten this is scarier than a nightmare in elm street or silence of the lambs it has great acting it also has a great storyline it a very scary movie this is one of the scariest movies ever i think i would feel that way if if i was intoxicated maybe and (laughs) i think there would probably be more of an affinity to uh you know, having some recreational uh, fun one night and then watching the film, then then I think I could jump on board with the last review. Well, I did have to take uh, take a look, and um, John Jacob Taylor one has done uh, fourteen hundred seventy two reviews, and he gave Modern Times one star because he thought it was badly acted and not funny. <laughs> I like it. I wanted to put my finger on what makes a Canadian film feel like a Canadian film, and. You know, I can never really tell, you know, I, I can't give like a, a proper explanation, but do you always feel like when you watch a Canadian film, and obviously you watch a lot with kind of your professional background, is it something to do with the lighting? Like, I just feel like in LA or New York City where they have these giant production, you know, hubs and distributions, and I don't know if it's they have a consistency across the lighting and they're using the same 
you know, technology, but I always find it's the lighting is really off to me. Am I wrong? Or how do you, how do you feel when you watch Canadian cinema? Like what makes it feel like a Canadian film to you? Well, uh, I, you did definitely hit one of the nails on the head. There is something that is slightly off in the production value. And sometimes it is a combination of not quite enough lighting with like sparse set design, like places that should really feel lived in. They just didn't have the budget to fill right. those rooms. So there's a lot of like empty space, which leads to weird lighting and kind of a tinny sound. But also with Canadian films, I find like the ones, at least so far for, th for doing Thanks Telefilm, it, it tends to be that it's like a high concept genre thing that cannot be executed with the budget and the means at hand. Like really, they really want to pull it off, but they've got one alien suit. Well, and I think I like what too how you said, you know, the areas just don't look like they've been lived in. And those probably are, as you mentioned, budgetary concerns or limitations. And then I, I guess it brings up the bigger question to me when it comes to Canadian films, like, should we... Should, you know, and this isn't new and this isn't new ground we're covering, but it's kind of that idea is like, do we need to support our Canadian films better? And that, you know, that doesn't just come from whether it's the, you know, the government or the private companies that are doing it, but also from a viewer standpoint, because I'm probably just as guilty as you are, Lindsay, like the majority of content that I watch and, you know, if I really break it down, most of it's probably American content and you know, is there, is there something that we need to be doing as viewers to get these films to the next level? Or is it just not achievable? Is this what Canadian cinema, cinema will be? Or is it more of an idea of that, you know, you take somebody like an auteur like David Cronenberg and he operates within the Hollywood system and has those resources. And ultimately it feels like an American film, but it has more Canadian content. So I'm sure I've said a lot in, the, in that one little spiel, but um, tell me your thoughts on everything kind of from an existential standpoint. Well, I mean, like, I think there's so much really great Canadian cinema, but when I see those movies that I get really excited about, again, they tend to not be genre cinema. So they're more comedies or straight up dramas. There's a lot of uh, Canadian road movies. That's one genre, I guess, that really works for Canada is road movies. I love those. Those are kind of like great because they represent kind of the country that we have and and how everything's kind of like, we're connected, but we're kind of not connected at the same time from coast to coast. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think that really embodies something about Canadian spirit for sure. There, I think there's something to just about the terms of how films get funded in Canada. And I know I, from what I can understand, it seems that if you can promise that it's going to be on super channel or sci-fi or something, you can get finishing funds to like finish your project. And that's how they're getting telephone funding for projects that are not indicative of excellent Canadian cinema. So I think it's kind of at a level of like <clears throat> funding and institutional kind of stuff. Like if you can check off the marks on the grant application. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I look at too, when it comes to Canadian cinema, you know, I, when I'm looking at my notes here and it's that type of thing too, where I feel like, there's been other films where they have tried to achieve uh, big kind of abstract ideas or conceptual, and it, they always kind of seem to fail. Like, I don't know if this will ever be achievable where we can get to where Canadian cinema is something that is really just 
resonating with with either Canadians or on a global scale, you know, and and you you could even look. I know Lindsay, you're passionate too about like kind of the Oscars. Like, when was a lot? How many films kind of consistently are kind of in the best international features from a from a Canadian perspective? Oh, I know, I know, and we consistently sort of see Quebecois cinema as superior to English language Canadian cinema as well. For sure. So once again, we're talking about Darken from 2017, a Canadian film. I think on the micro level, both Lindsay and I say this is a ridiculous romp, but you know, you can you can kind of have fun with it if uh, you're willing to go and uh, commit to the idea of maybe having a few bevies while you're watching it. Yeah. Talking about it on more of a macro level, whereas you know, this is kind of. Um, perhaps uh, a statement about where Canadian cinema is in 2021, even though, yes, the film was made four years ago, but I don't know if, if Canadian cinema is, is on a healthy, healthy stool right now. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's been a very little Hollywood releases over the last year at work. A lot of stuff that I have been seeing has been either British or Canadian. And there's been a couple of good, of good things. There's a new film, I believe it is on Super Channel. It's called Kid Detective telefilm funded and it's a thanks telefilm it's fantastic kid detective so it, sorry and you've already had the opportunity to watch this film yeah yeah if you could say in a nutshell and i like how you said this this film is great like what is the you know the difference between a film like darken and a film like kid detective um, the Kid Detective is very well written. It's super clever and quirky. It's darkly comic. So it has no science fiction elements. It's got no like horror elements. The closest thing it's got is that it's got a bit of a detective story to it. Um, so that for me makes it so much better than any kind of genre Canadian anything. Well, I like too how you said it's simple. Right. And I think we talked about this with probably the acting, like less is more. Yeah. You know, instead of having this this high concept, abstract idea, you know, they kind of stayed in their wheelhouse and said, you know, we're going to maybe just see, keep the idea on a lesser level, but it will still kind of maybe represent Canadian values. I do. I do want to go back to some of the things that I, I liked about the film. And, you know, I have to say. Once again, I would put this on par with maybe like a Marvel superhero movie was I thought the graphics at the while the credits were rolling were really great. Like I, I really like the fact that they were kind of dispersing uh, the characters kind of in this black and white animation on the screen left and screen right. And it looked really good. So, I, I mean, whoever was in charge of the credits, I don't know if it came down to the producer level or whoever, I, I thought the graphics were great. And like I said, I, I'm once again, once again, I'm going to say, hey, you had me there. And it kind of like, I could see that you wanted to have this big franchise. It felt very Marvel-like to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. They were definitely sort of setting it up like, ooh, did you remember this person? Remember this person? Well, well, maybe there's going to be a series and you can see them. <laughs> and I read this online and I think this was a direct statement from the director, but she said she wanted to make a science fiction film that starred women for women. And, you know, like I said, I might not be, be the best person to talk about it. Did Was there anything that you could appreciate from that perspective? Uh, no, not really. The antagonist is uh, a woman and the protagonist is a woman. And then there's the whole Mother Darken thing, which is kind of like a burned up lady that they're keeping alive. Right. Um, 
other than that, like there's nothing, it's so surface level. It's so basic. Like, oh, there's women in lead roles and there's women in power. That doesn't really go beyond that for me though. Maybe it's surface level at the end of the day. Yeah. Now th this did win a couple of awards. I think a blood in the snow, but Again, if somebody is uh, listening and they want to watch Dark, and I would definitely recommend maybe having a couple of beers or something like that. <laughs> well, should we? So, you know, is there any final thoughts or kind of from a bigger level or smaller level that you want to talk about? Like, I'm kind of all ears, and I think I've gone through all my notes. You know, I appreciate that you made me watch this film. Uh, is there anything else you want to elaborate upon? You know what, I've, I've covered all of my notes also, and I, I'm still absolutely completely confused as to <laughs> all of my questions surrounding this very strange, but very poorly executed film. You know what, I was able to find the film in a relatively easy fashion, and, and I like that. So you know what, kudos to the producers that were able to, to get the film. On, on a major streaming platform, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, obviously all the corporations are gonna take us over at the end of the day, but I like that I could find this obscure Canadian film. Yeah, which means that all of our listeners can also with the click of a button experience darken. <laughs> we should part ways and I, I appreciate the homework assignment that you gave me, Lindsay. Um, I'll let you have the final words uh, in regards to darken, but uh, thank you for putting me on this Alice in Wonderland journey. Well, I got. I have to thank you for being game and actually watching Darken because my list of thanks telefilms is pretty long. And uh, but it's it's like I said, not something where I always want to pick something the uh, bad bad side of the spectrum. Um, so so thank you for taking on the challenge and actually watching all of Darken all the way through the end credits. I guess if anybody wants to see Darken, it's on Apple. I think you can also find it on Super Channel, and uh, it's from 2017 by Audrey Cummings. And it's also a show on sci-fi. So for Moving Radio, this is Lindsay and, uh, and Mark.